With the American Cup tournament taking place simultaneous to the European Championship, I am willing to admit that when I hear the words, I believe, my mind immediately goes these days to the common soccer chant, I believe that we shall win. I believe that we shall win. I still believe in God, the Father Almighty, but it's remarkable how quickly that phrase is come and gone. St. Augustine remarked on that. In his homily on the, on the creed, he wrote this, I believe in God the Father. Notice how quickly it is said and how much it is worth. He is God and he is Father, God in power, Father in goodness. How fortunate we are to have discovered that our God is our Father. So let us believe in him and promise ourselves everything from his kindness and mercy because he is almighty. That is why we believe in God the Father Almighty. Nobody must say he can't forgive me my sins. How can't he, being almighty? And you reply, I have committed such sins as I can't possibly be cleansed and delivered. To which I reply, but he is almighty. Notice what you sing to him in the Psalms. Bless the Lord my soul, it says, and do not forget his recompenses, who shows himself gracious to all your iniquities, who heals all your weaknesses. That is why we need him to be almighty. The whole of creation needs this, of course, in order to be created. He is almighty for making heavenly things and earthly things, almighty for making immortal things and mortal things. Almighty for making spiritual things and material things. Almighty for making visible things and visible things. Great in the great things and not small in the least things. In a word, he is almighty for making whatever he has wished to make. Let me tell you how many things he cannot do. He cannot cease to exist. He cannot sin. He cannot lie. He cannot be deceived or mistaken. So many things he cannot do. And if he could do them, he would not be almighty. So believe in him and confess him. For with the heart one believes unto justice, but with the mouth one makes confession unto salvation. That is why once you have believed, you must confess when you give back the creed. So receive now what you are to retain, and afterward give back and never forget. The fatherhood of God is perhaps the most distinctive characteristic of Christian faith. It establishes our relationship with him. It even establishes our relationship with creation. God is Father. For the paltry way that popular culture has reduced the verb fathering to merely begetting, it's in God that we understand what fatherhood means. To create, to create the other. 
distinct, not the same person, a distinct person. And in our case, in the order of creation, a distinct being of a different substance. It's not as though the divine substance is broken off and individual beings are created, animals and things. If that were the case, we would worship trees and we would not eat animals. Consider how even in popular culture, when fathering is reduced to merely begetting, it lacks, among many other qualities, love. Love of spouse, love of children. In the Holy Father's recently widely published and then subsequently re-edited remarks about marriage, a fitting observation was made about fathers who are afraid of permanence. Fathers who want a wife, who want children, who want a family, but does not want to be bound to them permanently. In many cultures, we can talk to our missionaries who spend and have spent many years in the Dominican Republic. It's created a a, a climate in which there are very, very few weddings in the church. Instead, couples cohabit and create a family, or they go to the courthouse and get a civil wedding. And then only in their old age has the now grandfather decided that he might as well make this permanent. He's afraid of being permanently bound to them, so he deliberately does not get a wedding in a church. And even in our own Anglo culture, the fear of permanence is almost as prevalent less public. When a couple comes into my office for the beginning of marriage preparation, which is already not the average couple, it's not even the average Christian couple, it might not even be the average Catholic couple, but of them, if we get to the topic of the permanence of marriage in the first meeting or the second meeting, more often than not, when posed with enough questions, they reveal that they don't intend to make a permanent vow. Do you want to be married for the rest of your life? Of course they do. No one desires a marriage that will fail. However, if something really awful should happen, not necessarily a sin, not necessarily something malicious, but even just something terribly tragic, and you've done everything you possibly can to save the marriage, and you're innocent, and the other person leaves and doesn't want to be married to you anymore, what, hey, where does that leave you? Most of the Catholic couples coming to the church for a wedding will say, well, then I, I should be allowed to be married to someone who wants to be married to me. 
doesn't take too much effort at all to bring them to desire irrevocable vows instead. Because it doesn't take too much effort to show that this seemingly noble pledge, I will do everything I possibly can to love you and to save our marriage and to have a happy life. And if innocent and completely abandoned, only then would I turn to find love from another, is equivalent to saying, I'll love you so long as I want to. Categorically the same. It just sounds less crass. It takes little effort to help people to realize that if they make a vow which is irrevocable, they burn the bridge. There is no possibility of anyone else. It is either you or loneliness or solitude. the chances are much greater that they will make it absolutely solid and remain faithful to each other. But if the vow is temporal and conditional, then it's almost certain to fail. So obviously every couple that gets to the altar has come around to realize that they desire to make vows irrevocably. Notice when we, with regard to our own fathers, and even imperfect fathers, which is to say every father, all of our fathers are imperfect. We still love them and adore them. We can, uh, we can handle a father who's not perfect as long as he always is our father. I might have to scratch my head, I might have to forgive him for some things, but if I know that I am always in his heart, he's always my dad. But even a very good dad, who never has a harsh word, if, if one day he's my dad and the next day he's not, I'd rather have the imperfect dad who's, who's always my dad. The lack of permanence vitiates all of fatherhood. How does God create us? He creates you with a pledge. You will always exist because you will always be in my heart. If I stopped to think about you, you would not be anymore. That is the permanence of the love of God the Father for each and every one of us. And it bears repeating that the fatherhood of God is reflected in each person, each human person created in his image and likeness, such that every man, not just Christian men, every man is called to become a father. If he's healthy physically, he's even capable of being a father in the order of creation. But every man is called to be a father, to be a father for others, to be a good, virtuous, reliable man 
strong and wise and gentle and merciful. Instead, we have a culture which was raised by a culture which was raised by a culture that wants to see boys become just older boys, more expensive toys, more lavish parties, never happy, never content. Sometimes, perhaps too often, but sincerely, and sometimes, only sometimes teasing, we look at the altar servers and we think they might become priests one day. Why not? Every man is called to be a father. Every boy is called to become a man. And every man is meant to love others irrevocably. We pray then for all the young men who have good fathers that they might grow up to be just like their dads. And for every young man that does not have a good father, that he find one, that he adopt one, that he come under the wing of a good man and become more and more like the true image and likeness of the one who created all of us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.